afternoon, everyone, and welcome to the Friday edition of the Dark Delight Podcast with... It's Friday, Val, and... It's Friday Beans! Yes. So listen, we're going to do this right in the beginning because Fridays are going to be a very special day on the, the, the Dark Delight Podcast moving forward because... Frank and I have been talking and there's a lot of stuff going on for both of us personally and professionally. And Frank is going to take a teeny little hiatus for a while for Monday and Wednesday shows and only be with us on Friday. Just for a little while. So it'll be a Friday, a Friday week, weekly roundup and uh, be like a little little treat at the end of the week for me. That's what I'm uh, I'm looking forward to for a little while. And and, and uh there you go. Yeah, and so I will have, I, I reached out to a very dear friend of mine. His name is Michael Pelka. You guys might remember him from, he filled in and he joined us for a show one day um, about a year and a half ago. Anyway, Michael Pelka is a seasoned professional and I'm excited. He's going to join us for the Monday and Wednesday shows and we'll take this and see where it goes and that's that. So um, also, I think that there are rumblings, Frank, by the way. I think we have the same weekend. For it or week, I'm sorry for the the uh, dark delight extravaganza circa 2021. <laughs> okay, so it's 2022. A, yes, we'll be doing 2022 now. Well, as soon as you know, uh, you gotta let me know just so that I could I could see what the what's possible on my end. We're looking at to, the 26th through the 31st of August. All right. Okay. So mark it on down because shenanigans shall ensue. Gotcha. And, you know, opening opening it up, we'll get all that information out for you guys. If you missed the first go round and you want to make the second go round, um, there's lots of stuff. in there. the people that came to the first go round have embraced the planning for the second go round. So we'll say that. OK, so, this is great. Yeah. Awesome stuff. OK, moving right along from there. There's you sent me an email this morning. There was a video that went up on a trucker guy. Like, I guess. What does he do, Frank? Did you re- watch it? No, no, I, I, all, all I did was relay a link to you from someone who sent it to me because they, they said that it, you were mentioned in it. I, I have no, I had no clue who anybody is or what was going on. So it's basically a trucker channel and he does all kinds of different stuff about how to build, you know, financial freedom with trucking and blah, 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 how they started with the truck and it's all kinds of stuff. So he does this video the first thing out of his mouth is my names. And <laughs> she just starts it off. Let's, let's, yeah, wait. Beans. Right. Oh. Tracy Beans. That's how he starts his video. <laughs> there you go. So this is all still controversy that's kind of swirling around this Petro station from Arizona, Frank. I don't know if you caught any of this, but in the very beginning of the convoy, these scouts on this convoy, they have to plan out their fuel stops along the way because they've got thousands of trucks that all need to fuel up at the same time. So they can't just roll into any random gas station or truck station and be like, yeah, we're all going to fill up. We're going to need about 70,000 gallons all at once, right? So they have to make sure that these places can accommodate them and they have to plan it out. So scouts do that. They call ahead. They say, hey, this is what we're looking to do. Here's about when we'll be here. This is what we're doing. And so a scout had called this one petrol station, talked to somebody on the phone who said, basically, and this is what I heard, and this was what was reported, that they don't want anything to do with the convoy, that nobody that's coming from the convoy will be allowed to refuel or take or get service there, including eating or restrooms, because that was specifically asked, and that um, that decision was coming from corporate. That is what this person who answered the phone when a scout called the, the, the location said outside of that, whether, you know, it came from corporate, if this person was a one off working there who did the wrong thing, I have no idea. All I know is they had to reschedule and reroute themselves around that uh, that place to get fuel somewhere else because they said that they couldn't stop there. So that's understood. Okay. once I put that out on social media, there was a flood of people that called this con this this petro station. People flooded the petro station's website. Um, they took their phones offline. People called corporate. Corporate got involved. Corporate had to issue a press release saying, no, this isn't what we did. Trucker Ron Coleman was involved in all of this and did another interview with Wendy out of his own mouth explaining exactly what happened here. And I still have people coming to me and saying, well, they're saying this isn't true. Of course they are. 
Of course the Petro station is saying it's not true. Why would they fess up to it knowing the kind of blowback that they've gotten and would get? So of course they're saying we never did anything like this. It was just a rumor. It, I'm telling you right now, I do not go public with rumors ever. This was double and triple confirmed. And I heard it with my own ears. Okay. It's true. This is what they did. Whether they want to backtrack on it now, that's their thing. So I put a comment under this guy's video directing him to where he could find all the information he'd need to find to understand what happened. Because it's like, oh, this is fake news. Why? Because the people who are getting the blowback said it was? Does that make any sense? No. Oh, well, I mean, hey, it's like, as you said, if you you have firsthand accounts and people talking about it, then... There, there is definitely a story there. Yeah, I mean, it's not like somebody said. It's just, somebody, this is just one station, though. Where in, was, in Arizona? You it said? was one station outside of Kingman, I believe, Arizona, that refused okay. to take them, and so they couldn't go there. Like, understand, there are thousands of trucks in this thing, so you have to pre-plan your fuel because you all have to stop. They all have to stop at, and roll through at the same time. So it's not, it's not a case of. You know, oh, we're just going to randomly stop at this gas station to fuel up. Anyway, I just wanted to put that out there for everybody who's still in my Telegram comments telling me that it's fake news. I don't report fake news. And if I did report fake news and it came to my attention that it was fake news, I would say this was an error in reporting. I am standing with a freaking stake in the ground on this story. It's not fake news. This actually happened. So... Well, at least it's only one station. Yeah, it was only one station. But the problem was, you know how much money they make off truckers? It's a, basically their business. So everybody was saying, we're going to boycott Petro now. So that one station's contracted to do business with Petro, right? They're they're basically like franchisees almost. Right. And if that one, um, if that one station causes truckers to boycott Petro in general, there's a big problem for Petro. Because that's the, a very popular station that truckers use. So that's why all the hubbub over this. Now, I just want to make a point, and it's for no other reason than we're making a point here, okay? My Telegram page, this is the second time now from Telegram I broke national or international news from one Telegram post. Think about that. The first time it happened was when Chase Bank canceled the Flynn family. The second time it happened was this. It went so viral so quickly just from Telegram. So don't let anyone tell you that if you're on any other of these alternative platforms, you can't make a difference. You absolutely can. You absolutely can. It, it wasn't Twitter, Frank, you know? Mm-hmm. Point taken. Mm-hmm. For sure. So anyway. Well, clear um, that up. Yes. Yes. Now, a bunch of other things to talk about today. Um, I, I... I'm really still like standing here looking around. First of all, can we talk about Hannity and freaking Lindsey Graham? Can we? Oh, I, I heard I heard uh, Lindsey Graham's uh, unbelievable statement last night. Then again, this is a this is a freak. This is a, a real a, a real enemy to all things. So, yeah, you can go right ahead. Yeah. So Hannity last night was on and he was talking about how, you know, somebody around Putin should take care of him in 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 for all intents and purposes. And the problem here is that Hannity uses the like excuse, oh, here's a guy that's going in killing here, women, children, and men. And we can't just let them, you know, do that in a in a country. And I'm sitting back and saying, you you hypocrite. Like Oh yeah. Yeah, he was he was uh, he was John McCain's butt buddy for all the for all those years that they were killing women and children all throughout Africa and the Middle East. It, and, he, and here he is completely reducing, being completely reductive as to what the situation out there in Russia and Ukraine actually is. And just taking this stance that it's a it's an indiscriminate slaughter of women and children. Yeah. And I have um, here. Let's listen. An innocent country. And you can. If you invade an innocent country and you kill women and children and men, you forfeit your right to lead a country and you forfeit your right to live. And I hope that people around Vladimir Putin 
Well, I hope they take action sooner than later. This is now, currently is, the U.S. operates under a decades old executive order first signed by President Gerald Ford. It prohibits the U.S. government employees from engaging in political assassination. But my final question tonight wow. is when it wow. comes to Putin, is it time to now revisit the rule? Uh, my rule I like better. New rule. So that would mean then that anybody could come traipsing into the United States and take out our president at any time because we do that all over the world. I'm sorry. This is not an anti-America thing. This is a this is what we've done for decades thing. What Hannity is railing against uh, right now. uh, People got very upset when uh, when Donald Trump was posed the the question or or was actually um, was thrown the idea about Putin, you know, because, of course, during the years that he was president, uh, to be cordial with anybody out there was, of course, a sign, a sign of, you know, you're you're in you're a business partner or you're committing treason or whatever. It's the biggest problem that people had with that. Um, and he said, you know, well, people would say to, to Trump, well, you know, Putin's a killer. And, and Trump made a lot of people upset when he said, well, you know, we've got killers, too. You know what are you what are you going to do? Uh, what, what, are we really going to take this purist stance on everything? And and we would be right. Do we really have the moral high ground? I, and there, he, he, no truer words ever came out of uh, Donald Trump's mouth. I'm glad are, he. I are. mean, he, he's recognized that since the Gulf War after 9/11. Or I mean, I'm sorry, not really the Gulf War, but the war in Afghanistan after 9/11. No, the Gulf War was a uh, part of it too. Well, yeah, but every war, every, every war, war afterwards, especially. Especially Vietnam, especially Vietnam was the first time that they they rolled out the Afghanistan um, protocol. Okay, the same exact wars. They they have a real problem now, though, Frank. And here's the deal. This is what it is. Social media and the Internet. There's a huge issue going on right now because people in general all over don't know what is true. They don't believe anything. They don't believe I had an interview with Joe Pags last night. He asked me, what's going on over there? And I said, truthfully, as as somebody who stands on factual information, like I know you do too, Frank, there is no, I, I have no effing idea what the hell is going on and whose side is, I don't even know what everybody's side is anymore. Pictures are coming out that are 10 years old, videos being doctored, you know, there's there's old clips of people being repurposed as new, and they used to get away with this back when nobody could check it. But now you're just running reverse image searches, not even just on Google anywhere. And you're finding this stuff from years ago. Fathers saying goodbye to their kids that weren't actually in this war. I, I, it's, it's insane. And it's, it's again, it is the media waging a propaganda war on behalf of the countries that they are in. That's what it is. Yeah. And, and well, uh, the only the only um, if you're going to keep turning the television on and watch them, then the only interviews anybody should watch is. Whoever has given uh, Colonel McGar- uh, McGregor any time, that is the, those are the only spots that are worthy of listening to. Hmm. Colonel McGregor, that, they, they have been absolutely phenomenal. He was on Tucker the other night before that uh, on, uh, on, on either on Sunday or Monday afternoon. He was on with Trey Gowdy. And then, of course, they had to send in Jennifer Griffin to hose him down because it was just it was too real. It was too um and it was too stripped of controversy and Hitlerian uh, overtones. It was just very real, and it gave you a little bit more depth as to what's going on there and how um, toothless and, uh, and Machiavellian NATO really is, that NATO is an offensive force, not a defensive force. It has no purpose. It is a money pit, and it's it's trying in earnest to start world wars. So um, there's a... There's a lot being missed here. There's the great stuff that's out there. If you know where you're looking, you, you just cannot watch the uh, the media, uh, the media on television, especially, especially Fox and MSNBC and all of them. They are well, a very, very conveniently showing a bipartisan unified front on this. That should be repulsive to everyone. You know, that's funny that you say that because that was one of my next points. It, it's literally George Soros is agreeing with people that call themselves conservatives like That's a problem in any universe. It is a problem. okay? and it's not just regular legacy television media. It's it's social media, too. 
It's social media too. It's TikTok. If I could tell you the number of times my son has run into the room asking me, is this true? Is this true? Is this true? He's like captivated by this conflict. He's captivated by it. Um, and he keeps asking me like, what's true and what's not true. And, and I'm like, no, you know, I don't think that's true. And I'm trying to explain to him what propaganda is and how it's used and, you know, how we, we really don't know. Case in point, last night, the nuclear facility, Frank, we get, we get alerts. Um, Russians attack uh, biggest nuclear facility in Europe. And it, it's, you know, increased radiation levels. This could be worse than Chernobyl, says Zelensky. Right. You know, uh, stop right now, Russia, you horrible people, and move back. I'm not taking a probably stop. The, it was probably the CIA, to be honest. Well, that's the thing. Like, I started immediately asking questions to the person that, that sent it to me, who is a person of stature, very well-established. Per- I can't say who, but it's, it wasn't General Flynn. I'll put that out there right away. Um, he, he doesn't come to me. Uh, <laughs> he knows way more about this than I do. But um, I, I, I was saying, like, wait a second. Hold on. First of all, there are so many ways that a, that a tragedy like that could be used by the powers that be, so to speak, to change the world, right? We can't have nuclear energy anymore. You know, we have to stop this. Look at all the crap that's going on. They're, they're, they're horrible. Or, you know, we have to bomb Russia now because they went after this nuclear facility. But somehow, somehow, within 45 minutes, cooler heads prevailed somehow. And somebody came out from the, uh, the you know, the global, you know, nuclear commission or whatever they're called, the UAE, I don't even know, and said, no, 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 there's no increased radiation. And this attack was actually on a training facility outside off campus. Now, what's true, Frank, the initial story or that? Are they trying to cover up another Chernobyl or is this real? You know what I mean? No, the, the, the initial feeling is the only true feeling. It doesn't matter if it's retracted. The fact that people have been um, they, they were they were um able to feel that feeling and just have a little bit more reason to hate and, and to be, uh, it, it's just, it's one of those things, you, you know, here's a, here is a, um, a, a snippet from, from CS Lewis that I like, I like pulling out every once in a while when we are in situations like this, where it's obvious we're being bombarded with bullshit and it's all supposed to make us think one way. Uh, he said the following, He said, suppose one reads a story of filthy atrocities in the paper, then suppose that something turns up suggesting that the story might not be quite true or not quite be so bad as it was made out. It's the first uh, it's one's first feeling. Thank God. Or or is one's first feeling. Thank God. Even they aren't quite so bad as that. Or is it a feeling of disappointment and even a determination to cling to the first story for the sheer pleasure of thinking your enemies are as bad as possible? Yeah. It is the sec. If it is the second, then it is. I am afraid the first step in a process, if allowed to an end, will make us into devils. You see, one is beginning to wish that black was a little blacker, and if that, uh, and if in, in, if we give that uh, wish its head, later on we shall wish to see gray as black, and then to see white itself as black. Finally, we shall insist on seeing everything, God and our friends and ourselves included, as bad and not being able to uh, and not being able to stop doing it. We shall be fixed forever in a universe of pure hatred. And that that couldn't be more true. It just couldn't be. More, it's what ha- it's what happens. Worse and and you know, like the worst part of it is the the freaking propaganda. Like there's a video today: captured Russian soldier facetimes his mom. So like. They're saying like, oh, we captured this Russian soldier, Ukrainians are saying, and we're giving him food and letting him FaceTime his mother. See how kind we are? Do you really like I don't I just don't. None of it sways me. None of it. None of it. Listen, sways there, me. There's been a completely ignored genocide going on in eastern Ukraine, especially since the, the, the CIA coup in 2014. It has been it. There's been a slaughter going on out there. And that's what uh, Putin if, is saying. This is all about or using. Well, I mean, he, he can anyway. cite it. He can cite that and he would be correct. You know, you can say, oh, well, well, he's just using that as an excuse. Well, I, I don't know the man's heart. All I know is that the history and the the current conditions out there are are, are true. The, the, the NATO encroachment is true. I mean, we, we can't just continually 
look at one man and one country's response to ever encroaching interests uh, and and say, wow, wow, how, how what kind what of a, a tyrant horrible. is this man? Yeah. yeah. And why is that? Because we've also been conditioned to accept that everything that the that we do is, of course, virtuous and right. And Russia needs to continue to be pushed back and contained and and pushed back. And they, I mean, it's uh, I, I don't know what else to say. You don't have to take a side on this to see that there is a whole other aspect of this scenario that's being ignored, that is definitely antagonistic, and uh, and here we are. I mean, we're, we're playing somebody's game, and people are on the brink of cashing out. Uh, I don't know what the hell they're 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 the what's really they stand to gain, but they're about to cash out. And and what are we what are we doing? We are once again we have completely abandoned COVID, yep. completely abandoned it, yep. and now we're playing this stand with Ukraine game. It's, it's insanity. It is insanity. And the worst part of it is like anything, anything like here on Australian TV, they're doing a um, they're doing like, a, I guess, a Q&A or whatever. And I, I sent this to myself because it stunned me. They kicked this. They ended up kicking this guy out. A young man gets kicked out of the show. It's, it's a Q&A about the situation going on with Ukraine and Russia. And l- l- listen to this. So as someone who comes from the Russian community here in Australia, I've been pretty outraged by the narrative created by our media depicting the Ukraine as the good guy and Russia as the bad guy. Believe it or not, there are a lot of Russians here and around the world that support what Putin uh, is doing in the Ukraine, myself included. Uh, Since 2014, uh, the Ukrainian government, together with Nazi groups like the Azov Battalion, have besieged the Russian populations in the Donbass, killing an estimated 13,000 people, according to the United Nations. That's right. That's right. Could I finish? Just just, just quickly finish, and then then we'll come to the the panel. So my my question is, you know, where was your outpouring of grief and concern for those thousands of mostly Russians? Um, Okay, question earlier about Russia and it's been playing on my mind and Sasha people here have been talking about family who are suffering and people are dying and I understand you wanted to ask you a question about is there some reasoning for this but you supported what's happening hearing that people are dying and can I just say I'm just not comfortable with you being here could, could you please leave? you know you know here here's the here's what I don't get Everything that we do around the world in in supposed pursuit of democratizing the world results in people dying, generational deaths, generational destruction, migrant crises over and over again. Even if let's say let's say that all of our reasons for going out into the world with our military and 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 uh, and smashing away. Let's say every last reason that we gave ourselves to go out there was true and real and virtuous. You cannot wage these wars. You cannot. There's always going to be collateral damage. It's almost as if, no, no. First of all, they're denying that there is any other side except this one very oddly myopic point of view on what's going on in Ukraine. It is just naked, greedy aggression by Russia. There is nothing else there. That should be suspicious in itself. And then the fact that you can you can say that, well, this is just this is horrible because because women and children and men are dying. Well, people are dying. Yes, that's what happens when you have a uh, a conflict right here. And, uh, and of course, as you just saw right there, the caller said, well, you know, where was everybody's concern when at least 13,000 people in eastern Ukraine were slaughtered? Uh, there, there's a reason why they have a, a, a monument built, built out there just to the lost children alone in these conflicts. And nobody was saying a goddamn thing. No, nobody. you know nobody what the worst part anything. of it is, Frank, is that he wasn't even a co- he was in studio in person. They like literally well, made him get up and walk out. I think that's worse than being on the phone. I'm just saying. No, it's it, it is horrible. It is horrible. The, the 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 virtue signaling on this is horrible, and it's just a constant reminder that we are living around people who have no critical thinking faculties left. They are not critical thinkers. They are they are dangerous, dangerous puppets, really dangerous puppets. I just sent you another video. It's about five minutes long, though. It's from a uh, it's from a, a a Ukrainian with a with a little bit of a I guess an Eastern Ukrainian with a a little bit of a 
concise point of view on the hypocrisy right now. And um, I listened to it last night and I thought it was pretty good. It may be worthy of listening to the whole thing. Uh, uh, I would yeah, play as much as you like. Yeah, let's do that. I'm going to just set this up real quick. Hold on because I can. Okay. At 730 in the morning on the 24th of February, the dialer was my American friend from my high school days in the U.S. He was the last person I expected to call, especially at 730 in the morning. I knew immediately that the war has actually broken out. The beginning of the war did not surprise me. In fact, it's long overdue. What surprised me was the fact that he knew nothing about the suffering that the Russian Ukrainians had endured over the past eight years. Let me get something straight. NATO promised that they wouldn't move an inch to the east. That was a lie. And now we are surrounded by an aggressive military alliance. NATO gladly bombed Yugoslavia under the pretenses of a potential genocide. Did they bomb just military installations? No. NATO destroyed schools, hospitals, bridges, cultural monuments, private businesses, and industrial plants. Did you forget about that? Did you forget about how NATO pumped money and weapons into Georgia right before Georgia bombarded Russian peacekeepers and civilians? Of course you did. Because your media doesn't want you to know. Did you forget how yet another territory was ripped away from Serbia? Do you not remember Kosovo? Did you protest then? I bet you didn't and I bet you didn't even care. Did you forget the invasion of Libya? If you're in Europe, you can't forget. Thousands of migrants are your daily reminder of what your governments did to that country. Did you protest the illegal invasion of Syria by Turkey in the U.S.? I bet you didn't. Do you care about Saudi Arabia starving Yemen? I bet you don't. Do you care or did you care about the illegal invasion of Iraq and Afghanistan under false pretenses? What, they aren't people to you? Why haven't you been vocal against the murder of children and civilians at Iraqi and Afghani weddings by American bombardment? Ah, that's right. They're brown people. They're probably worth less to you. Where were your crocodile tears when Kiev started bombarding Ukrainian Russians in the east simply for doing the exact same thing as the Ukrainians did in the west, was to get rid of a corrupt government? Where were your crocodile tears when Kiev shut off electricity and water to Crimea? Where was your save the Ukrainian people when 48 civilian anti-Maidan Ukrainian protesters were rounded into a union trade house and burned alive whilst those who tried to escape the fiery hell were beaten and shot? Do you by any chance know who the who the Madonna of Gorlovka is? Do you know who the or what the Alley of Angels memorial is? Let me give you a hint. People engraved into that memorial aren't alive and they are not adults. Did you shed even one digital virtue signaling tear when the children at the children's beach in Zagres were purposefully bombed by the Ukrainian military using illegal cluster bombs? I bet you didn't, but that's okay. How would you? Your mainstream media keeps you in the dark. For eight years, the U.S. and its allies have been pumping billions of dollars worth of lethal weapons into Ukraine. For eight years, the Ukrainians have been waging a war with their own people in the East. And for seven years, um, Russia and the people of the Donetsk and Lugansk republics have been patiently waiting for Kiev to adhere to the Minsk agreements. Should Russia have waited maybe 20 more years? You know, uh, the amount of years that the U.S. spent killing Afghanis. So whilst leaders like Boris Johnson, Joe Biden, Emmanuel Macron, uh, Olaf Scholz and Ursula von der Leyen have been virtue signaling about the poor Ukrainians, they have been robbing the Ukrainians of their dignity, making their economy run on loans from the IMF and basically robbing them of their future. And Russia is to blame when we were their primary trading partner. The West pushed Russia into a corner. Protect yourself from an increasingly hostile neighbor who wants to become part of a hostile military alliance called NATO and lose Nord Stream 2, for example. Or watch Russian Ukrainians get slaughtered by the thousands. The West wanted to fight this war with Russia until the very last Ukrainian. Remember Kosovo? Well, the Lugansk and Donetsk republics have every right to exist. Russia didn't set the precedent. Your leaders did when they recognized Kosovo. And final food for thought. Why was there no bombardment of innocent civilians in Crimea, even though it's closer to Kiev than Donetsk is? I'll give you a hint. The actual Russian military was there protecting the people. Here's another. The Ukrainian army has been fighting this invisible Russian army for eight years now in the east, according to your mainstream media. Why then did the Ukrainian army collapse within 24 hours when fighting the actual Russian military? 
And since it did, what do you think your tax dollars were doing in Ukraine? That's right. Your tax dollars were used by Ukrainians in the West to kill Ukrainians in the East. And you didn't give a flying about it. So if you haven't been following this conflict from day one and now you put the blue and yellow flag on your photo, wipe away your crocodile tears, please, and find out why your governments have been supporting those who have made a Nazi criminal, Stepan Bandera, their national war hero. Don't expect a good result from pushing a bear and a dragon into a corner. And definitely don't be surprised when that bear and that dragon begin pushing back. So if you haven't been crying for the collectively millions of dead Iraqis, Afghanis, Syrians, Libyans, Yugoslavians, and East Ukrainians these past 20 years, put your crying crocodile tears for Ukrainian military installations, wipe them away, and think about what your governments have been doing and what they're still doing. And I hope that this eight-year story of a war started by a criminal Ukrainian government against its own people can finally come to an end, and Ukrainians and Russians can finally live in peace. Well, well then. Yep. You can go and go and confirm it all. No, I, I know. I, I, I actually know some of that is, is 100% true. So I would probably and, need to fact check it. For and myself, again, and, 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 and what's the and what, what's one thing that he didn't do? He didn't he didn't judge the heart of of Vladimir Putin or or talk about his character or anything like that. He's talking about the conditions that created what we're living through right now that nobody is getting the context for whenever Colonel McGregor goes on television and gives very dispassionate uh, um, dispassionate analysis of the conditions that created where we are right now and talking very dispassionately and detached about the military um, the, the military movement of the Russians and what they're looking to achieve and how they're going to um, uh, eventually attain victory out there in the region. People call it Russian propaganda. It's not propaganda. This is just history. Nobody's giving you uh, nobody's throwing you waving one flag or another. This is just what's happening. And um, but I'll tell you, those who don't want you to know the history, they've given you a flag to wave. That's very interesting. You know, it is. And thinking back about this, too, on top of it and just it just brings me back to the whole impeachment fiasco, because if you think about what President Trump wanted to do with Ukraine. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. And then you think about this and how he was able to keep Putin from doing this during his tenure, it was probably by saying, look, you know, I get it. I get it. We're going to stop that and watch what I do to NATO. Okay. Just watch what I do to NATO. And what did he do to NATO, Frank? He started divesting. Uh, thank you. I mean, not, not, not enough. I, we should, I mean, there is no NATO without the United States and, oh man, hold on. There, yeah, what time is it? 1051. I got to give you, it's hold on. Wait a second. Oh, and this is, this is, pause for a second. Yep. All right. So Frank has sent another uh, clip over, a couple clips for us. This is an interview with uh, Colonel McGregor, right? Doug McGregor. He was on with Tucker Carlson the other night. I actually isolated this from my show last night. It's, it it really is another fantastic five minutes. So now that you have a little bit of a background of, of a lot of the, the the cultural history out there that is being from one um, person's perspective anyway, from one person's perspective, of course, but you can, from that perspective, you can go out and find all the confirmation you need that this is a, a, you know, a, a, a pretty, pretty even keel truth here. Yeah. But, um, Anyhow, here is a dispassionate military perspective as to what is being accomplished militarily and uh, how all of the the resistance is working narratives are all bullshit there, too. But um, but also the nature of NATO, which we were just talking about. So listen to this state of the battlefield. Here's what he had to say. First question is, where are we now? We keep hearing these reports about a Russian convoy coming into the capital city, et cetera, et cetera. But big picture, where is the war as of tonight? Well, the first five days, we witnessed a very slow, methodical movement of Russian forces into eastern Ukraine. That is Ukraine, the third of Ukraine, which is on the eastern side of this river called the Dnieper. They moved slowly, cautiously. They tried to reduce casualties among the civilian population, tried to give as many Ukrainian troops and forces as possible the opportunity to give up, to surrender. That is over. 
and the phase in which we find ourselves now, Russian forces have now maneuvered to encircle and surround the remaining Ukrainian forces and destroy them through a series of massive rocket artillery strikes, air strikes, with Russian armor then slowly but surely closing the distance and annihilating what's left. So this is, a, this is the beginning, frankly, of the end of Ukrainian resistance. So the ugly stuff is just beginning, it yes. sounds like. Yes, yes. Okay. Now, that was a very important assessment. Okay, so th this is this is taken from Dr. Steve Turley's uh, uh, YouTube. I couldn't, it's an, I guess it's, it's a, it was on television, but I could not find it isolated anywhere. So I had to grab it from here. Okay, so the next one is around like four minutes and two seconds or something? No, the, the next one would be 7.03. That was the okay. four-minute one. So let's go there. Uh, Oops. Okay. Um, so this is a question you don't often hear asked, but it's essential to our welfare here in the United States, to our strategic thinking about this. What is Putin's goal here? What's his aim? Well, I think Vladimir Putin set out to honor his word of 2007. 2007 at the Munich Security Conference, he said, we will not tolerate the expansion of NATO into to a point where your NATO, your border, is touching Russia, specifically Ukraine and Georgia. We see these as essentially Trojan horses for NATO's military power and U.S. influence, subversion, and so forth. He then turned to several opportunities to reinforce that over and over and over again, most recently with President Biden, in the hopes that he could avoid taking action to effectively clean out eastern Ukraine of any opposition forces whatsoever, and to put his forces in a position vis-a-vis -vis NATO to deter us from any further attempts to influence or change Ukraine into effectively a platform for the projection of U.S. and Western power into Russia. Now, his goal, as we see it at the moment, is to seize this entire area of eastern Ukraine. That's pretty clear. He's going to roll up to that river up near Kiev. He's actually moved over the river and is preparing to go in and capture that city entirely. At that point, he has to decide what else he wants to do. I don't think he wants to go any further west. I think he'd be very satisfied to hold that point. But he would like whatever emerges from this that we call Ukraine, whether it's just the western side or it encompasses some of the, the east and the west of Ukraine, to be neutral, non-aligned, and preferably friendly to Moscow. That he will accept. Anything short of that, his war has been a waste of time. So I have a question. Let's yeah. say he does that. Isn't it just the same thing if Ukraine joins NATO? They're still on his border. Yeah, well, that's that's saying um, if he goes all the way over. And now the next the next clip, you'll you'll get a little bit more on that there, too. The real question is you, you want to have a buffer between uh, between NATO and and Russia. But at the same time, I guess if if, if he's, they're going to go border to border, you'd rather it be Russia itself than then uh, then then lose ground. And it's it's just one of those things. It, it You know, you create a scenario where you're forcing somebody's hand to make a move that is less damaging to them. Uh, now we're seeing all these choices that have to be made. You wonder what the hell is this guy going to do? Uh, and is there a way to keep whatever is left of Ukraine after this, whether, you know, uh, independent Ukraine, it, it's uh, how you keep it neutral. Yeah. You know, and then, of course, and then, of course, you can say, well, um, is, is it truly neutral? Because the, the stalemate is really always very biased. You can say, OK, well, it, it, is it really neutral if they're friendly to to Moscow? And then if it's um, if it's if it's been if it becomes a, a, a CIA and NATO satellite state, is it really neutral at all? No. So it's it's it really is a a, a, a vexing situation. But these are the conversations that are not being had. You know, everybody, every time that this man, McGregor, makes a, a um, an appearance somewhere, it's called Russian propaganda. I haven't heard any propaganda yet. They're just he, he's just talking about how all the pieces are arranged on the chessboard and what the moves may be and what the motivations may be. I think if anything, and, this guy should be in there trying to help the United States figure out what the hell is going on, not. Well, it's it's apparent that the United States know what's going on yeah. and those who are in charge don't want this to really be really hashed out. Because, again, 
uh, to hash this out is to actually hold yourself accountable for what's going on in a in a large way. You know, I, I don't I have no interest in in rooting for Russia to to for for I mean Russia is Russia's problem. And if they ever do something to directly threaten the United States, then it's our problem. I have no I don't care. But um uh but the media stance on this is to to analyze what's going on honestly it's is Russian to, propaganda. Is it's Russian propaganda. Because if you're not actually rooting for a side, their side, then of course you're a propagandist, which in itself is propaganda. Yes, which is what the main theme of this entire thing is, in my opinion, again. It's yeah, literally. It's, yeah. <laughs> All right. Here we go about NATO. Go along with that arrangement. And here's Colonel McGregor's answer. I think President Biden and Sullivan, his national security advisor, have already given some indication of their readiness to accept something like that. They're, they're not going to have any choice. Either they accept it or then they put him in the position of having to do more than he would like to do, which would probably not go down well with NATO. No one really wants Russian forces on their border, least of all Poland. Right. So I think Sullivan and Biden will essentially tell Zelensky if he is still the president at that point and if he's still running any semblance of the Ukrainian government, which is largely collapsing now. If he is still there, he's going to be told, accept the deal, go neutral. Because there really is no choice. You are hearing elements in the United States Congress, it's almost unanimous in the media, calling on the Biden administration to enforce a so-called no-fly zone over Ukraine. What would be the effect of that? Well, you'd end up at war with Russia because the Russians are not going to allow Western aircraft, U.S. aircraft flying over the battlefield in eastern Ukraine under any circumstances. And Stoltenberg, the Secretary General of NATO, flew to Poland to stop the Poles from essentially offering MiG-29 aircraft that were improved and modernized to the Ukrainians, allowing their pilots to come to Poland, fly these into Ukraine. He put a stop to it saying that anything like that could lead to war and NATO will not go to war. And see, this is the interesting part. Now everyone is talking about spending lots of money on defense and lots of money for NATO, but very shortly people are going to begin to ask why. Why are we doing? Because it's patently obvious that NATO is not in a position to fight, not in a position to challenge the Russians. So I think Mr. Biden's problem tonight. No, especially since so many NATO members are getting a majority of their energy needs from 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 Russia, Russia. from the place that they're supposed to be protected from. And And, and, And as I said last night, you know, I understand, obviously, giving MiG jets to to um, a, a resistance uh, that's fighting Russia. And I mean, yeah, that, that would be an act of war. But uh, I mean, since this whole thing has started, it is one headline after another about Australia or one country or another, all NATO countries and unaffiliated sending arms and ammunition and everything, all resources they can to Ukraine to fight the Russians. Is that not the same kind of act, though? I, I, you have Hillary Clinton uh, that is on television encouraging supposedly unaffiliated hacker groups to go and commit cyber attacks on on Russia. I mean, I am I'm actually very I'm I'm actually very impressed with Russia's restraint. Yeah. Yeah. No, agreed because this could this, you know, we 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 sit here in our little bubble over here with nobody battering down our doors and blowing up nuclear plants, right? It's very easy for the American citizen to sit over here, the, the, diso, the um, you know, trans, transified American citizen to sit over here and say, you know, uh, we should do a cyber attack against Russia, not understanding that our power grid is probably the most ancient in the entire world, industrialized world anyway. And that, you know, one thing that they, they we're not as safe as everybody says. I'm just I'm sorry. We're just not. No, no, especially especially since the we are living in an age where you don't even have to drop a bomb. I mean, a, a cyber cyber war, a cyber pandemic, as they've been promising is coming. Or well, if they did something that mimicked what an EMP explosion uh, in high altitudes would look like, where they took out critical infrastructure like power and everything else. If we lost power for any significant uh, period of time. Two thirds of the country of of the United States would be dead in six months. Okay, that is two thirds would be dead in six months. 
we would be resorting to cannibalism in 30 days. Yep. Um, so it, it, this is very serious. And it also shows just how ignorant people are that from their from their their uh, their living rooms on their iPhones, they are so virtue signaling about we need go and you airstrikes and cyber war and this and that and sanctions, 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 as if they, they just do not understand. The freaking Ch- uh, Chinese are inside of our government, for God's sake. They're asking every time people say this, thinking that they look really awesome and worldly and tough. They don't understand that they are, in essence, begging for their own death. Yeah, they're begging. They are. They're they're begging for their own death. And, and, you know, I I just I sit here and I I listen to Lindsey Graham on Twitter saying how he wants to to assassinate Putin. And I'm like, this man needs to get out of uh, get out of the Senate right now. Like the first thing that went into my head is we cannot have people talking that way. We just can't like, I'm sorry. I'm not taking anyone's side here. It's just not responsible. No. And and who's agreeing with him? That's the thing. Who's agreeing with Lindsey Graham right now? All of the, the liberal talking heads that we're supposed to say are not, you know, this is why everybody's cut from the same cloth, people. All of these old school politicians, these people have been in office for decades. They're all cut from the same cloth. Well, it's not only it's not even what we saw out of uh, out of Lindsey Graham and, and, and Hannity. I mean, they're talking about assassinations and whatnot. But Revolver put a uh, an amazing piece together uh, consolidating the, the crazy, the crazy bastards in both parties. Another bipartisan front of people who are, are are saying that we we need to we need to be the first one to to flip the nuclear switch. Yeah. Nuclear nuclear yeah. war. Yeah. 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 I, I mean here's here's one Richard Engel. Perhaps the biggest risk calculation moral dilemma of the war so far. A massive Russian convoy is about 30 miles from Kiev. The US NATO could likely destroy it, but that would be direct involvement against Russia and risk everything. Does the West watch in silence as it rolls? And then they go on and they're just constantly asking, what do we do? What do we do? You know, what are treaties? Uh, What are treaties, really? They mean nothing. As a matter of fact, I'm sitting here. I went to Drudge because that's where you get all the catastrophe and gloom and doom in one little place. Right. And it says Russian seize nuke plant. Right. And the video that's playing underneath it right now is a guy who literally tries to set a new world record every every week. That's what that's what they're playing. This is what Americans are doing right here. And then it says Russian forces took control of Europe's largest nuclear plant and um, sparked a fire and fears of a nuclear meltdown, but seemingly released no radiation. Like, I, I, I don't know. The whole thing is just. I know. A- I know. The whole thing. But that's where we are on this Friday, March 4th. Yeah. And so we finally did it. We finally did some sort of semblance of a Russian conflict show and. To be honest, I, I don't know that I feel any more solid than I did before we started. Well, there's nothing to feel comfortable about, at least. But, um, you know, it's just. I mean, comfortable factually. I mean, I guess a little bit. I, I just don't trust shit. I trust nothing. You I, shouldn't. You shouldn't. And and uh, the, the last thing you, anybody should ever trust is the lying sack of shit media. And they supposedly have got it all figured out. And it is a very myopic situation. Which is why to reject that is the first thing, first thing to do, and uh, and 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 that is and to reject that isn't even to sanctify Vladimir Putin, his career, his heart, his mind. It's just to call this a naked act of aggression with absolutely no impetus except greed and Hitlerian dominance yeah. of the world is absolutely wrong. Yeah, it's absolutely wrong, and you do not you're not a Russian stooge for saying that. And leaving yourself open to what may be happening, because honestly, it seems like the, the, the powers that be are going to move ahead with whatever the hell they want, no matter what. And if this is really the last stand here, at least we know why we're burning to a crisp. Other people are just going to go down being ignorant to their last breath. I don't know what else to say. Yeah, it's crazy. Well, look, you you hopefully this help is helpful to people. I'll put those videos in the show notes below. Um, you have been listening to the Dark Delight podcast with. 
Friday Val and Beans. You can hear us every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 2.30 Eastern Time on TuneIn, Stitcher, Apple iTunes, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and RadioInfluence.com. I'll be back on Monday. Later. This is an MMA report with Jason Floyd and Daniel Galvan. Quick Fix on Radio Influence. UFC 272 is on Saturday night. We've got the the rivalry between uh, Jorge Maslow and Colby Covington. A, a great piece on MMA Junkie this uh, on Monday by Danny Segura, kind of outlining really the uh, kind of how this beef really started. About uh, a longtime coach of Jorge Masvidal, he gives he, he has him start working on Colby Covington. Ultimately, uh, the RDA fight is where he doesn't pay the coach, and that's kind of the, the root of everything with this one. But you know, I was thinking about this fight, and you know, I think. I mean, look, I think we would all agree that Colby Covington is the second best, second best 170-pound fighter in the world. But I feel like because of how Colby Covington presents himself in the public and in interviews whatnot, I think people kind of tend to forget how great of a fighter this guy is. Yeah, I mean, Covington nearly beat Kamara Usman when they fought in that rematch. Yeah. That was a, a close fight, and Kamara Usman is – He's he's number one, right? He's a he's a top pound for pound fighter in the UFC rankings, and I believe so. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I would think so. Uh, it's either it's got to be either him or uh, Izzy, and Usman has doesn't have the blemish that Izzy has with the loss to Jan. So, like Usman's probably the best fighter on the planet, and Colby Covington nearly beat him. It was a really close decision. I had it scored for Usman, but if Colby Covington had his hand raised at the end of the night, it would have been the most surprising thing in the world. And what was super impressive about that fight from Colby's standpoint was like his standup was was much better. His standup was pretty good. And when you look at this matchup with Jorge Masvidal, I mean, Masvidal's a big dog here. I mean, I, I look at the betting odds and, and Colby's anywhere from minus 300 at and whatnot. So even if the casual fans have forgotten, Las Vegas has not. The MMA Report with Jason Floyd and Daniel Galvan can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Podcasts, and RadioInfluence.com.